0: for you. I know there's several of you that are visiting probably from maybe out of town. You're here for vacation time or it's the holiday. And we like to say these words. I'm going to say it and you just repeat it back. If you believe these two words, say it with all your heart. Grace and peace. peace. Amen. Amen. I just want to give those of you from Gateway a reminder about this book that's behind me on the screen. Uh, About a month or so ago, uh, we had a time when we had a we had a lot of these books up here on the front pew. We invited you to come and get two of them and then go take two of them with you and a friend to go work through this book together to grow in your discipleship of the Lord. And so a lot of you took those and a lot of you I know have started. I know I've talked to uh, some, some ladies that have started this. I know that there's a... Uh, a Young lady that's in uh, um, mid school who's doing this with one of her friends at school, maybe during lunch or something like that. Uh, and I, Freddie and I, have been doing this for about a month now. We've been really blessed by doing this together. And I know there are others of you that ha- went ahead. You found a friend and you've started doing this. And then there's some of you, and this is no slam. It's just it's just what happens in life. There's some of you that your books, your two books that you took with great intention are still on the coffee table or, or they're in the kitchen beside the refrigerator. They just are. And I'm just giving you a reminder today, pick them up. Some of you guys, they're under the seat of your truck. Go find them, get them out, and follow through on what the Lord put on your heart that day. So that's just a friendly reminder that this is a great way for us to grow in Christ is to purposely meet with another person on a regular basis and I want to encourage everyone from Gateway to be doing that. We have more of those books, by the way, in the office if you if you didn't get one and you would like to do this with a friend. <clears throat> These people have something in common. Uh, Paul the Apostle, Isaac Newton, Susan B. Anthony, And this young woman who later became known as Mother Teresa, all of them, of course, are famous. All of them had an enormous impact on their world. But there's something else that they have in common as well. And I'd like to ask you to think about that. Maybe some of you already know, but I'd like for you to be thinking about what would those four people have in common? And we'll get back to that in just a few moments. We're going to go right to our text in Ephesians chapter 5, And we're going to read verses 21 through 33 as we have every week during this series. And it's going to begin with what I believe is the most important, that's pretty big words I just said, the most important marital advice or marital attitude that people can have in order to have a long-lasting, successful marriage. And that is, it's going to start by saying this, submit to one another, out of reverence for Christ. It's going to tell, and and after that it's going to have a lot of instructions. It's going to have instructions about how husbands can submit to their wife. And it's going to have instructions about how wives can submit to their husband. But there's going to be at least one phrase in our reading that we haven't emphasized, one phrase in our reading today that is not instructive. But rather, it is telling us what our identity is. So I want to encourage you. I'm encouraging you listen really close as we read these and see if you can hear where is this spot that it says who we are, what our identity is. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 21. And may the Lord bless the reading of His Word today. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Did you hear it? Did you hear where it was? The place that told us, describing our identity, who we are, it's in verse 30 right here. We are members of His body. Our identity is found in Christ. Jesus in the gospel, in the fact that we were dead, but now because of God's work, we are alive, in that we were lost, but because of God's work, we are now found, in the fact that we once were slaves to sin, but we are no longer slaves to sin. We are slaves, thank God, to righteousness, which leads to life. We are so much a part of Christ's body. What I mean to say is we're so much a part of Christ that He says the words, you're part of His body. That's pretty enmeshed when you're a part of someone's body. This is who we are. So important for us to get a hold of this. This is who God tells us, believers in Jesus, people who trust the gospel, this is who we are. We are the body of Christ. And a lot of you are probably saying, duh, we know that, John. I and mean, that's why we're at church, you know? That's why we came today. We wanted to worship him because we know we're part of the body of Christ. We know that's our identity. But I have to be honest with you and say sometimes I'm not so sure that that's true of all of us, myself included when you, let me, let me say it this way, when you think of describing yourself, perhaps you've signed up for something online and you had to put a profile and you had to put something about yourself on there, and you, how would you describe yourself? Or maybe another way to say it is when you're getting to know somebody, you're getting to know a, a, a person, what do you hope that person knows about you above and before all other things in your life? What do you want people to know about you? Because oftentimes, It is we want them to know, this is my profession. This is my favorite sports team. These are the hobbies that I love. These are my kids. This is my spouse. Oftentimes, that is our identity, and it's what we want people to know before anything else. There's nothing wrong with those things, of course, but it's a temptation to think that we are completed, or that we are valuable because of those things in our life. The Bible makes it crystal clear that our value comes from the Lord, and the most important thing about any of us is our identity in Christ. Now, I'm saying all that to come back around to make a point that I think sometimes Christians and sometimes in church families that that we miss. What is it that these four people have in common? All four of them were single. They were never married. Apostle Paul was never married. <clears throat> Mother Teresa was never married. Susan B. Anthony and whoever the other guy was—I said. Well, I can't think of his name right now. <laughs> Isaac Newton. <laughs> pretty important guy. Never married. These guys were, never... And there's and lots... Well, there's another guy. I think of another guy that was single. Do you guys think of the other guy I'm thinking of? Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus was single, wasn't he? I'm trying to challenge an idea that I think many people in America at least have and many people that are Christians have. And that's this idea right here. A person is completed by being married. Or said another way, until a person gets married, there must be something wrong with them. It's so important that we get a hold of this. Because as we're finishing up this series about marriage, I don't want anybody to have the wrong impression to think that that marriage is what completes us. That having a good marriage is why Jesus came to the earth to die. That's not the whole point of life. Now, marriage is very important, and that's why we spent four weeks talking about it. Obviously, it is a very important part of life, but marriage does not complete us. A relationship with God is the only thing that can complete you, nothing else. Our identity is in Christ, our joy is in the Lord, our fulfillment and our guidance come from the Spirit Christianity. Christianity should de-idolize marriage. Because people can take marriage and make it into an idol and set it on the throne of their heart and set it in the center of their life and make everything around their life be about marriage. Christianity de-idolizes, takes that idol out of the center of our life, off the throne of our heart. This is the way Tim Keller says it right here. He says, Paul, talking about some things, Paul says that both being married and not being married are good conditions to be in. Both of them are good, Paul says. We should be neither overly elated by getting married nor overly disappointed by not being so because, why? Because Christ is the only spouse that can truly fulfill us and God's family, the only family that will truly embrace and satisfy us. You, follower of Jesus, and me. We are Christians first. I am a Christian first. I am a Duncan second. I am a Christian first. I'm an American second. I'm a Christian first. I'm I'm a husband to Amy And a dad to Josh and Raina, second. I'm a Christian first. This is so important for us to grab a hold of this truth about our identity, about what God says about us. I believe that part of the reason I'm talking about this, everything I've said is true and it's important for us to grab a hold of, but part of the reason I'm talking about it is in in a series about marriage, I just wanted to say a little bit about singleness or people who are single. And, and I'll just be blunt and say it this way. In general, Christians or the, the church family's attitude can improve toward singles, can improve toward followers of Jesus who are single. I'm gonna. I probably need to maybe do a series sometime about singleness. I think that would be appropriate and fair. I mean, we're doing marriage, and we have lots of single people that are part of our church family at Gateway. And so, I probably should do that sometime. But I'm gonna try to do everything. I'm gonna try to say in about five minutes here. Okay. So here's a whole series in five minutes. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that there are in general there are two kinds of single people in the world. In general, I'm sure there's exceptions to this. Singles who are content to be single. They're very happy to be single. And singles who want to be married. They very much want to be married. Or I'll include in that people who have lost their spouse, who are missing their spouse, who want to still be married to their spouse that passed away. And so I'm going to say some things in general to us as a congregation and us as Christians towards single people. First of all, towards single people who are content to be single, stop trying to get them married. Stop it. Can I get an amen from some people? (laughs) Yeah, some single people who are like, you know, stop introducing me to your niece, bless her heart, all right? I don't want to meet her. So that person, the reason I'm saying that is this. If a person is single and they're content to be single, they don't need to get married. You might need for them to get married. Stop it. Stop needing that person to get married and leave them alone. They're content to be single. The second thing about that particular deal is to recognize their gifts, To recognize their availability for ministry. Paul talks about this in, I believe it's in 1 Corinthians 7 and some other places as well, where he says single people have more opportunities to serve the kingdom of God. Recognize that. Invite people who are single to come and use their gifts with their available time for ministry. And thirdly, I would say try to create... Fellowship opportunities that are not based on marriage and children. Fellowship opportunities that are not based on marriage and children. I've spent in the last couple of weeks some time talking to several single people who are part of Gateway, about a half a dozen or more that I've visited with, and just ask, tell me, because I'm not single, it was a long time ago that I got married and I've kind of forgotten some of this stuff, and I know that that we don't do all this really well tell me some things about this that that would be helpful and and one of the things is is that oftentimes our meetings our planned activities are for married couples or for my family with my children and your family with your children and single people are saying I'm not married and, or maybe do have or don't have children and not necessarily feeling welcome sometimes at those things. This is one of the reasons I believe our men's ministry is so important and our women's ministry is so important. We have, we have several men's groups and, and Freddie helps with that and Jim Lindenberger helps with that and others and those men's groups that I'm a part of, they're not about being married necessarily. That may come up. not necessarily about being a dad. They're about being in Christ. That's what they're about. And the women's ministry that they get together, I don't know anything about it because I don't go. I don't know what they do. But I bet, I'm willing to bet, that it's similar to that, that they're talking about being in Christ. This is not based around necessarily marriage or about kids, although that may come up sometimes. And I think this idea of community, of inviting people, also applies to the second group of single people that I mentioned, and that is people who want to be married. Remember to provide communication, I'm sorry, community and invitations to people who are single that want to be married. Invite them to be a part. I was having a conversation with one person who was single who was telling me about a Uh, who's telling me about a, a time of sitting down with a married couple. And she said that the married couple the entire time were telling her how great their marriage was. And it was discouraging to her. It was not uplifting to her. I'm trying to think how to say this. Don't be an idiot. How about that? Use some common sense. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us be sensitive to the people's needs around us. Not just single people, but everybody. Think about what we say. Think about how we're relating with the people around us. I would encourage us, especially for singles who are wanting To be married, I would encourage us a couple of things at least, just practical suggestions. One of them is this: that those of us who have time and have some energy and some uh, resources that we might provide some babysitting if they have kids, so that they can be in some social settings, or they might be able to find a spouse. Let's serve. Let's serve people. And and here's here's the other, maybe the. I guess it's the thing that has surprised me the most about Christians when it comes to this idea about singleness. Is that we need to encourage our single brothers and sisters who want to get married to marry a Christian. And at church, while we're sitting in here in this congregation, you may be like, yeah, of course, yeah, sure, they should marry a Christian. But I'm telling you, I can't believe sometimes the conversations I have of people like, oh, yeah, she's, you know, she's dating this guy, and oh, man, he's got a good job. This guy's rich, man, and he's good looking, you know, or he's, he's whatever, he's got this and that and all this stuff. And I'm like, is he a Christian? They're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. was a tall person. I just wanted to smack him. Smack him in the face. This is the one instruction that we have in God's Word for single people about getting married. Marry a Christian. We need to firmly, with kindness, but we need to firmly stand on that line with our single friends who are followers of Christ. We need to stand there with them. They need that encouragement. I know it's not enough. I haven't said enough. I mean, like I said, it could be a whole series. But let me just say this also. Let me say this to those who are single. Either you're content to be single, or you're not content, you want to get single, or you're widowed, or you're divorced, or you've never been married. Let me say this crystal clear at Gateway. You are welcome here. We are glad that you are here, and you are an important part of our family here Amen? We are not a community that is based on marriage. It's not what we're about. We're a community of people who love Jesus Christ. We want to grow closer to Him. We want to encourage other people to grow closer to Him. I had to say that about singleness, at least, while I was doing this series on marriage. I hope it's at least a little bit helpful. As we conclude this series... I'm going to the conclusion of this book by Timothy Keller. There's still a few more copies, five or six copies out there. If you, if you want one, I would encourage you to buy one. We're, we're asking 10 bucks for them. I think they cost a little more than that. But if you'll put $10, give it to one of us or put it under the office door. And if, you have, if, if you're married, or if you're, even if you're not married, I think it's a great book to read so that you can have something to say to your married friends that's biblical. It's the most biblical book that I've ever read about marriage by Timothy Keller. It's called The Meaning of Marriage. And as we finish up, I want to talk about the differences that Paul says in Ephesians 5. He he says different things to women and different things to men. Now, why would he do that? The reason he does it is pretty complicated. It's because we're different. We're not the same, right? How do boys tell story? Introduction, body, conclusion. How do girls tell stories? There's the introduction. I know it's overgeneralizing. It's not fair. It's sort of true. Guy gets a haircut, 50 bucks. That's pretty expensive, I think. Before, after, there's the before picture, the after picture. It looks like it might be worth it. We're different from each other, not the same. How do women pick shampoo? Effectiveness, brand, aroma, effect, uh, quality, design, friend's advice, they went to the internet and read a review, you know, how does a guy pick shampoo? I think it said shampoo on the bottle, yeah. <laughs> Closet full. <laughs> you like that one, Kim? <laughs> closet full of clothes I got nothing to wear again here's the guys that'll do for a week that it works <laughs> it's because our brains are different God created us different our brains are different this is what one cartoonist said about our brains I don't know if that's true or not can you see that from back there Jay you can okay so I'll let you guys read that for a second I don't know if that's exactly true but it's probably a lot of truth in that cartoon right there that God created us very different from each other. And here's the amazing thing, is that we are different from one another and yet we fit together. That's how God meant it to be. That husbands and wives fit together physically literally, that we fit together physically, that we fit together relationally, that we fit together spiritually, that we fit together, if God blesses us with kids, as parents. We fit together, although we are very different from each other. Several years ago, Amy and I went to this weekend to remember, and there's My understanding is this coming weekend, this coming Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we have seven couples from Gateway who are going to the Weekend to Remember. If you're still wanting to go to Weekend to Remember, we'll we'll squeeze you in. I hope, I think we can at the last minute. If you want to go, you let us know. We want to make sure you can get there if you think that would be good for your marriage. Amy and I went several years ago, and I just want to share one quick story with you. The guy that was speaking, that was the speaker that day, he stood up and he gave this beautiful description. Of Adam being in the garden, and God coming to Adam and saying, Adam, I have a gift for you. And God gives Adam Eve. That's his gift to Adam. And this speaker. This speaker was saying this, that Adam would immediately recognize that Eve is different from him. And as he got to know her, he would recognize more and more things of how different she is than him. And those differences are part of the gift And as I sat there, this was one of the moments that changed for me inside of myself my marriage with Amy as we sat in the audience that day. Because I was listening to God say to me, John, Amy is different than you. And some of the differences frustrate you a lot. And it's true. It's not because she's a bad person, she's a beautiful, awesome, wonderful person. It's because we're different, and some of those differences drive me nuts! Sorry, babe. Ditto. Ditto, she says. (laughs) Woo! We're just keeping it real here at Gateway, keeping it honest. And here was the part that just washed over me as I said in that moment. Some of those things frustrate you, John. And God was saying to me, that part that frustrates you is part of my gift to you, John. I want you to have these things that frustrate you from Amy. That's my gift to you. So I'm going to give you some practical advice. I'm going to explain that a little further. Your spouse... First of all, this, your spouse's differences are a gift from God. That's what I was just saying about Amy. Your spouse's differences are a gift from God. So let me encourage all of us. And, and, I, and I, since that day, I've been trying to practice what I'm about to say. And, if, and I'm going to encourage all of you to practice this same thing. Stop trying to make your spouse like you. Stop that. How boring would that be to be married to yourself? It would be horrible. Stop trying to make your spouse be like you. Some of you might say, well, she's messy. Well, maybe God wants you to learn something from that. That thing that frustrates you that she's messy, which by the way, that's not what Amy is. I chose something that's different from what we struggle with so that I could protect not getting in a fight for later today, this afternoon. Maybe God wants you to learn something from the fact that she is messy. And you say, well, like what? That's dumb. What do I need to learn from that? Well, maybe your stuff is too important to you. Maybe God gave you a gift of your wife to teach you that stuff is not as important as relationships. And there's no other way you could have learned that. Oh, you could have answered it right on a test, but you could have never learned it in your heart if he didn't give you the gift Some of you ladies might say, well, he's lazy. I'm not encouraging guys to be lazy. Okay, that's not what this is about. But maybe God's trying to teach you something through that laziness. Like what? What in the world? That's dumb. I don't want to learn anything from his laziness. Well, maybe you are so goal-oriented, so driven that you never stop long enough to sit still and rest. And God gave you a gift to teach you to slow down and enjoy his blessings. Your spouse, his or her differences are a gift from God. The second thing is this, your spouse's differences are a gift to your children. So stop trying to make your spouse parent exactly the way you do. We need to maintain respect for each other. We need to have teamwork. We need to have a united front in front of the kids. But God knew that your kids needed him. God knew that your kids needed her. So stop trying to make them parent exactly the way that you parent. Some of you ladies say he's too hard on them. Just way too hard on them. Well, God knows that they need discipline in their life. And so God gave them a gift of a dad who calls them out on stuff. Some of you guys may say, well, she lets lets the kids talk back to her. I mean, I can't believe it. Well, God knows those kids need to know how to talk to people when they're upset. And so God gave them a gift of a mom who listens patiently. Third thing is this. Your spouse's spiritual gifts are a gift to you from God. Appreciate the way That your spouse loves God and serves God without requiring them to be like you. I think this is a pretty typical thing that many women say. He doesn't talk to me about spiritual things. Well, maybe he relates to God predominantly through actions And through sacrifice instead of words. And maybe God knew that you needed someone to help you stop talking about it and to do something about it. This is a pretty predominant thing that I've heard men say. She wants to go to church all the time. I mean, isn't once a month enough? You know? Christmas and Easter? I mean, come on. She wants to go all the stinking time. Well, maybe she relates to God predominantly through worship. And maybe God's trying to teach you something about your need to worship Him more fully. I hope these are helpful suggestions for you as you consider the differences between you and your spouse. The conclusion of Ephesians 5 says this. Husbands, love your wife. Wives, respect your husband. What in the world does that look like? Love and respect. How in the world do we do that? Well, I want to tell you that I'm thankful today we're going to finish this whole series with a conversation for a few minutes with uh, two of my great friends who have shared something with me and a few other people and I asked them if they would be willing to share it with the whole congregation and they uh, thought about it prayed about it and they agreed that they would do that and so I've carried over the chair for me and Patricia and I'm going to ask him to get his own chair and I'm going to ask you guys would you welcome Kim and Patricia Chesser as we finish up come on up guys Here you go, Patricia. Kim, why don't you grab one of those microphones, too? So, the three of us have not rehearsed this. Uh all, turned on? All I've done is given them uh, the questions that I wanted to ask, and we're going to listen. So, uh, thank you guys. Thanks for coming to
1: do this, Kim. Is and this Patricia. turned on? I really want everybody to hear me. <laughs> So, you
0: guys have had this, this recent uh, specific experience or experiment, and I would say maybe something that you've decided to do, and I'd like to ask you guys to tell our congregation about what it is you're doing for a one-year commitment.
1: Well, this, this all started, I mean, we have read many books together, and I, I mean, I know most of you that are married in here have, uh, have spent some time reading some marriage books, which generally ends up not that good uh, because it brings out all of the facts of how bad you are and, and actually brings up a lot of conflict in marriage. And we were, we were reading one of these books, and I want to tell you this book was not that way, and we were reading this. We had to go to a meeting in Arizona, and we were coming home, and everything in this book... I mean, it would have a section, and it, it'd tell us things that we need to be doing. And, and, and it kept going back, and it says, go back to Ephesians 5. And go back to Ephesians 5, just over and over. So we talked about it on the trip over there, and we decided that we would read Ephesians 5. Uh, we would read it every day for the next year. And, uh, anyway, it's, we were not going to tell anybody about this. And so you can see that we're keeping our commitment. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, I, John said he felt like that, that might be good for people to hear. And so that's that we just wanted to tell you that we have made that commitment and we're in about seven months and it has definitely made a difference. And so every day you guys read Ephesians five together. And then, what do you do
0: after you read Ephesians 5? I mean, you don't just read it and then go to sleep. You do something. Do you want to tell us what
1: you do or not? <laughs> How Are you going to tell us in a do. little while? Huh? Some, sometimes we do just read it and go to sleep.
2: Oh, you do? Yeah. Not usually.
1: No. Not usually. Okay. <clears throat>
2: usually we ask each other after we read it, and he'll say, How did I do it loving you today? <clears throat> and then I'll say, How did I do it respecting you today? Um, And then sometimes I know that he didn't pick up on what I was doing to respect him. So sometimes we say, this is what I did specifically today to respect you. Or he'll say, this is what I did today to show you that I loved you. And we also realize that many, many days we don't see each other all day long until we fall into bed that night. And so we had to relearn how to love and respect each other when we are not even going to see each other. And a lot of times he's off the grid, and so that was a challenge.
0: What's been a moment when you guys have been doing that? So just to make sure you guys understand, they read Ephesians 5, then she says, how did I do at respecting you today? And he says, how did I do at loving you? And they get to answer the question. So what was a moment that was kind of like an aha moment when you... You were doing that and talking about it, and it was like, "Oh."
1: I think that one's yours. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, was that very loving? What just <laughs> well, we'll talk about it tonight.
0: Oh, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, one of one of my aha moments. I was washing our bedrolls. We have a cattle drive twice a year, and. We provide them with bedrolls, and it's a—it was th- this particular job was a th- two or three-day job because I was washing every sheet and every blanket and, on 15 bedrolls. And Ty and I were working together, and he was off doing his ranching stuff. And he came in and he had—he said, "What are you doing it that way?" Or something that was hurtful. It—I it, I felt disrespected actually. And it, it was late in the morning, and I still had—who knows how many—waiting on me. But i knew because we had been doing it several months at that point that i i was able to not lash out which i'm pretty good at doing and wait because i knew when we got in bed that night and read ephesians 5 i was gonna it was gonna be a safe place where i'd be heard and so i was able to keep on respecting him through the day even though i felt a little bit hurt and when i when we when we have specific things through the day that he feels disrespected or I feel unloved, most of the time, most of the time, it's received with an open heart and and it's been a, a game changer. Awesome.
0: That's great. What about, was there a moment that was difficult to navigate? I mean, this is something, a big commitment to try to do this for a year. Was there a time that was kind of like, Wow, we thought this was
1: a good idea, but man, this is tough. Uh, I guess this was mine. Uh, no, uh that I mean we've had some tough times because uh I mean y'all may not believe it, but we really get crossways sometimes. And uh and it's hard when you're honestly feeling pretty crossways with your bride when you go to bed tonight. I mean, you know, it's pretty hard to pick up the scripture and read the words of saying, you know, you need to love your wife as yourself. Uh, you need to love your wife the way that Christ loved the church. I mean, it's pretty hard to read that to her when we're just pretty crossways about things and uh and so i mean that it's it's been tough sometimes Mm -hmm. but but we have and and i mean we have had nights we went to bed and we didn't we didn't get it read but for the most part anytime we're we're at sort of at odds well we definitely read this and it makes a difference
0: Which sounds a lot like what Paul said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's what you're doing is submitting to each other by reading and talking about these things. Tell me, uh, Patricia, how has this specifically helped you to respect Kim?
2: Well, Those of you that know me well know that I have a very quick, sharp, sarcastic tone. And um, that defaults to disrespect. That's just my default. I was... I was raised in a home where the women didn't respect the husbands. And so that's just my nature. That's what I learned. And my, that's default for me. So it's, it's been hard. Um, but reading it every night, having it put in, fr- put in front of me every day, and coming to the point of just crying out to God, I cannot do this. I cannot do this without your help. Because it's just not in my DNA, and with reading it every day, practicing it, and with God's help, it's there's. I see growth. I'm not saying I'm there by a long ways, but but I see growth.
0: That's great, Kim. What about you? What would you say? How has this experience helped you to love Patricia more?
1: It's uh, I. The main thing that I feel like that it's done for me is, I mean, when you're reading something every day over and, over and over and over and over and over and over and over, it is so prevalent in your mind. I mean, as I go through the day, I mean, you know, I may not even, I, I may be in a totally different world than Patricia, but the scriptures of Ephesians 5, I mean, it, it, I'm just hearing that. Uh, to love your wife like Christ loved the church. I mean, it just gets over in my head. And as I go through the day, I mean, when I'm doing something, it's so fresh in my mind, it's so up front in my mind, everything, everything that I do throughout the day, I've changed the way I look at it. Instead of, you know, I've got to do this and this and this, I'm, I'm looking at it as, okay, is Patricia going to feel loved by what I do, or will this affect? I mean, I've never been that, cons- I've never been that thoughtful as to, as to putting that in the equation is how it would make Patricia feel. And so I think that's been the major difference. It's been good. I, I think it's such an amazing testimony to the power of God's word,
0: what, what uh, Kim just said. I mean, so no matter what we're talking about, marriage, not marriage, just the Word of God. So powerful when we're reading it and soaking it into our heart and our soul. Thank you for, for saying that. What else, what else? Anything else that you guys would like to share about this experience or share with the congregation about this?
2: Well, all I have is reading, reading the Word, being in the Word every day and in this case, a specific scripture, it's been so life-changing that we're thinking about what do we want to do next when this year's up because having it in, the, in front of us so much. But and looking, it's like looking intently in a mirror, and it is powerful. Mm. powerful.
0: Awesome, awesome. Kim?
1: I knew exactly what I was going to say, and I forgot.
2: Yeah, uh,
1: <laughs> <a cheat> <laughs> I the The main thing that I guess that I want to say to everybody here is uh is I want to challenge you to read the scripture and pick out um, just pick out a specific scripture and just spend some time just not that you're not that you're studying it but just just read it every day and I think that you or I feel like you will probably be amazed the way that I was, because when I read these scriptures in Ephesians 5, I mean, when I, I mean, of course, just like many of you, I've heard these scriptures all of my life, but when I read them, when I started reading this, I mean, the words that jumped out at me were, first of all, the big submit word for the wife, submit to the husband, and the husband's the head of the wife, as Christ is the Church, and all of a sudden, I mean, that's what that's what I saw when I read this scripture. And now, after seven months of reading this scripture every day, I don't see that. I don't see that at all. I see, <laughs> love your wife, um, uh, love your wife like yourself, love. Uh, Love your wife like Christ does the church. I mean, it's it's totally... The, what sticks out in my mind is totally different now than it was when we started. And I, I don't know if it would be that way for everybody. But to me, uh, it's been just a huge difference in what is the focus of my mind now versus seven months ago. Awesome.
0: These are... Two of our leaders at Gateway, Kim is an elder, Patricia, an elder's wife, and I think what they just shared with us, they are leading us in ways straight toward Christ. I'm thankful for them. Would you guys thank them for coming up and doing this? Thanks, guys. Here you go. Here you go. I'm going to go ahead and ask our... uh, the worship worship leaders to come on back up, and uh, I just want to finish with a prayer, and uh, then we're going to have a uh, we're going to have an invitation song, and I would I would just say real specifically that invitation most of all more than anything else would be for anybody here today who is not a follower of Christ, who says I want to I, I want to trust Christ, I believe what He did on the cross. Uh, that would be the first thing. And then if there's anybody here today that you just say, I, we would really like for you to pray for our marriage, or I'm single and we'd really like I'd really like for you to pray for me in my life. And so we're going to have a time that's offered for prayer. I'm going to ask some of the elders to come to the front up here and elders' wives to come up to the front during this time. And we're going to have a prayer time. And so let's stand and uh, let's sing this song together. And here is our invitation.